Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the 14th episode of Riverdale Season 4, How to Get Away with Murder. Or maybe how not to get away with murder. Not, not sure yet. Got a lot of theories still going. Don't worry, everyone. I have not completely lost hope that Jughead is dead. I won't be convinced yet. Just because there's a body doesn't mean they're dead. Anyway, I'm joined, as always, by my true love, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing tonight? Um, I've got to admit, I feel a little guilty that you said I'm your true love because the joy I found in you immediately being proven wrong at the start of this episode was so much. Like, I literally just ca- was cackling, like, oh I don't my think that I was God. proven wrong. I think the show forgot its own history. No, you were proven wrong about the scene with the fire when well, you were yes. like, I think that's related to something else. I don't think that that's related to this. Okay. And then it was the first scene of the episode. And I laughed and laughed and laughed because I am a demon and that's just who I am. So last week I had introduced you as my one true love. However, this week you're just my true love because guess what? I have a secret girlfriend and her name is Hannah Elam. Hannah. Oh my god. How do you like being revealed now as my secret girlfriend who nobody ever predicted? Wait, she's not just gonna get me into the Navy? No, she's she's good for more than just the Navy. Oh, I really thought she was gonna get me into the Naval Academy. Yeah. Hannah, how does uh, how does Brian feel about you being my secret girlfriend? <laughs> Um, well, it's a secret from him, too, so I don't know how he feels. Okay. I guess yeah. call him in. We've got to tell him right now. <laughs> can, can I just say that, so when that moment happened, jumping ahead a little bit, when Molly Ringwald mentioned that that woman was her secret girlfriend, can I just say... I screamed because there's another Riverdale podcast that I listen to that has been jokingly saying that Molly Ringwald has a secret girlfriend for four seasons now, and they definitely weren't being serious about it, but they're like, oh yeah, she's just gonna, you know, Archie needs to move to Chicago with her and hang out with her and her secret girlfriend, and then it was a real thing, so I thought it was great. So I don't have that experience because uh, I don't recognize any Riverdale content besides Kowski Cast because I'm loyal, but at the start of the episode, like th- the first scene with her and when they're having coffee in the kitchen, I was like, they seem very coupley. I bet we'll hear more about that in a couple of episodes. And then like 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, we're going to find out right now. <laughs> Cool. Instant gratification. Anyway. Classic. So, Hannah, we haven't had you on since the, gosh, has it been since the uh, pre-season for season four? So, I had notes for episode four, but I don't know. Was that the Halloween episode? (laughs) Yes, maybe. I don't know. Who could know when we last spoke with Hannah? Yeah. Look, I can find out. Uh, Let's see. Let's look at the Kowski cast. Let's see. If we go to the Riverdale tab. Mary just really wanted this section to uh, give everyone a lowdown of using the Kowski cast website well I'm really interested she's she's gonna put a tutorial up on how you can search I kind of felt like oh look guest star Hannah you were here for the Halloween episode Riverdale uh, season four episode four so okay we have talked some season four with you but it's been a little while it has I've been ignoring you guys right that's that's the word around town right literally she hasn't been listening to the podcast (laughs) she hasn't been replying in our group chat she's been MIA too busy working on her fitness or whatever 
whatever. <laughs> Some of us find the time to work on our fitness and talk to our friends, but not Hannah. No, honestly, it's not working on my fitness. It's working overtime at work. Mary had mentioned in the episode where I was ignoring you guys that um, she was meeting up with me the next day and we met up and I was like, yeah, I haven't watched like the past three episodes <laughs> of Riverdale. So last week I actually got caught up and then I was like, oh, a new episode should have come out. And then much to my surprise, it was a uh, skip week. I assumed that it was because they wanted the cliffhanger to hang on for a little while longer, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like most shows take a week off around this time. Like Riverdale took last week, but most of the other shows I watch took this week. Like there was no Katie Keene this week. Hmm, interesting. In addition to some other shows that I watch that we don't have to talk about. <laughs> Riverdale is playing offensively. They like to keep us on their toes, so we can't anticipate their next move because they are the ultimate wild card. Oh, well, gosh. yeah, they are the spawn of the, the Black Hood. Right, and they spawned it, so that's how it is. So we we can jump into this episode. I Look, I actually thought it was overall a pretty good one. I was riveted. I think a lot of it, and this is something that I seem to see a bit on Twitter and from some of our listeners, I think some of the reason why it was good was because there was a pretty big amount of Archie, Betty, and Veronica all working together and being in the same plot, which is new and we haven't seen that since like season two i thought it was good because betty was being effing crazy and i think that's when she's the most entertaining dare i say kirsten thought it was so good she wanted to watch it twice i watched it a second time like when mary and i started podcasting about riverdale i would always watch the episode twice before we recorded because i am i'm never gonna take notes we know that like it's a fact that i know about myself So by watching the episode twice, I remember it a lot better and then I can be a better podcaster. But as time has gone on, the episodes have been so bad. Like, (laughs) so, so, so bad. And I decided that, you know, this year and last year, I'm going to love myself. And so I've been loving myself enough to not watch the episodes twice and to just rely on Mary's diligent notes. But this week, I loved myself enough to watch Riverdale twice because it was good. It was so fun. I I think that I tend to watch the episode once. I don't know if I've ever watched an episode before podcasting twice, but I take notes when I'm watching it. So it takes me two hours to watch the episode. So yeah, Mary and I sometimes will be like, okay, we just need to watch before we podcast. Uh, Let me know when you're done. And then I watch the episode in 42 minutes. And I'm like, hey, ready to go and she's like I'm 10 minutes in I'm like how (laughs) it takes a long time you gotta pause she like pays such close attention and watches the show so closely and takes such detailed notes uh that I value very much like this is not by any means meant to like be disparaging at all like I respect (laughs) it I just am never I'm never gonna do it and I know that about myself yeah so Like we had talked about at the end of last episode two weeks ago when we made all our theories about what was happening and I stood by, my theory was that a lot of what we saw in this episode, or in the previous episode, did not match up with the flash forward that we had gotten at the end of season three about it being spring break and Archie and Veronica and Betty like burning their clothes and Jughead's beanie. And there's still a lot of loopholes in that. So like just off the bat, there is a Jughead voiceover where Jughead says, well, this is the moment we've (laughs) all all been waiting for a fire in the woods three friends in their underwear covered in blood my iconic beanie up in smoke so okay number one why did they burn their clothes like maybe betty i could get but why did veronica and archie have to burn their clothes i truly 
Um, because it added a wrinkle to the plot line. Well, um, now, so about this voiceover. I don't know. Ah, yeah, I don't know either, Siri. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my watch just goes, I don't know who. I, I don't know. I didn't ask you anything. Anyways, so in this voiceover, Jughead sounds just annoyed that he has to provide this update. It doesn't have the same tone as other voiceovers. And I also believe that they would not give us a Jughead voiceover if he was really dead. No, he look, he's not dead. I still stand by that. That he might this might have been his dead body, but he is not dead. I think that they might do some stuff that pairs with Sabrina and she might do some time travel to bring him back because she does some time travel in season three of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That's a lot more complicated than my theory. Yeah, so it's it's very, very possible that he actually is dead, but he's not gonna remain dead and that there's gonna be some sort of like timeline split where there's like a world where he's dead and a world where he's not dead. Just like how there's now two Sabrinas in Chilling Adventure of Sabrina. Yeah, that so. definitely makes more sense with the crossover of Sabrina. I was thinking maybe it's a Stranger Things type deal where there's some aliens going on and they've duplicated his body, but it's not actually Jughead's real body. Dun, dun, dun. That it could, al- it could also be that he is dead and then the Sabrina crossover is her bringing him back to life because bringing people back to life is a big thing in season one of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. They always find that there's like bad consequences for it and that you shouldn't do it i hope that that's not what it is i think it's gonna be time travel that's my theory i think it's none of these things i think that it is not a mythical kind of thing i don't think that it's gonna be at all to do with aliens or magic or anything i think this is simply a book Mm. yeah that is also very possible yeah i think everything we're seeing with jughead being dead and everything with betty trying to figure out what's up with donna and stuff i think all of this i mean there's like several different ways it could go it could either be that jughead the couple ways of looking at it are that everything leading up until the point where betty has the rock did happen, meaning Jughead does put on the mask and go into the woods with Brett, and that we're going to come back to that moment in the show later on and figure out what actually happened. But all the parts with him being dead and everything we've seen after this point is just part of Jughead's book, The Perfect Murder. And do you know what I really like about that, actually? A couple of things, because there are a few times in the episode where when Betty is speaking, it doesn't sound like Betty and it doesn't make sense. And that adds up with Jughead's horrible writing. When she starts (laughs) calling like there's two points in the episode where she talks about donna's stonewall chums nobody says chum like shut up betty and then there's another point as well um that i noticed where when they're sitting at pops and she goes i think this is all a game to them a game to plan the perfect murder and i don't think that that's what she would have said so i actually do really really like that theory i think it makes more sense than if they do a sabrina crossover with time travel but i'm open to both options I just think the show so far has pretty much, it's sort of dabbled in like weird things happening and then it sort of like tries to find a really corny way to justify it. Like with the farm where they're like, oh, it's hypnosis or oh, it's whatever. I feel like if they were going to go with magic, we would have already seen a lot of that in this show, but instead they've kind of tried to keep it more real. So my theory is still that somehow in some related way, this is going to be just a book. That That's like theory number one. Theory number two is that he's 
not dead and this is a much more complicated theory but has like somehow majorly been able to like fake a body that looks like his which i believe less that one's the one i believe things. less I, right i think that's possible yeah, but aliens. that's what well, i believe less and so the other um, thing so another show had had a piece where there was i had mentioned previously i don't know how, i don't know how much we're supposed to spoil other <laughs> other tv shows for people but if no one's watched well, wait, what show are we spoiling Jane the Virgin. Yeah, feel free to spoil Jane. Jane the Virgin, the Virgin okay. is old. Is like an older show. I feel like if it's fair anybody game at this point. Well, I feel like it just finished recently. But anyways, okay. if anybody wants to avoid Jane the Virgin spoilers, skip forward like forty five seconds. Okay, Hannah. Yeah. Go. So Michael was shot and killed, and and we were believed that he was dead. But then he came back, and it was this whole thing where the drug lord, evil person, had given him some type of drug to like slow his body down enough to fake it. But I don't think it would have worked because Jughead's body was hidden and. And then shown later and he's like in the morgue so that's where i think it has to be something either like the body clone or or you're like you're saying that the story would make more sense and i also think we need to bring back to the real possibility that jughead's always never been a real person he's always been no, a ghost okay hannah <laughs> shut up no what i really need somebody to do right now is i need someone to photoshop hannah's face onto that meme where the guy's like alien <laughs> that's what i really would like to see so if somebody could do that for me that would be great Anyways, so back to the Jughead voiceover. <laughs> the other thing that I think backs up the theory about this being a book and that Jughead not being dead in the real life of Riverdale, the two two main sort of logistical things are we have not heard from Cole Sprouse whether or not he has signed on for season five or not. He's being kind of cagey about it. I feel like the reason he's not saying anything is because he doesn't want to spoil what the current plot is going on in Riverdale. Like I think if he said, oh yeah, I'm not going to be on it, people would be like, oh, okay, well then he he's definitely dead. And if he said, oh, I definitely am coming back, they'd say, oh, well, he's not dead. So I think he's purposefully not saying anything to not spoil whatever's going on, which means that whatever's going on is not as straightforward as what we're seeing. Also, he's in all the Instagrams still of like, he's still in costume filming. So we know he's still filming episodes as we speak right now. So he's going to be there in some form, whether it be as a ghost or whatever. And the, the more, the one about this episode is, I feel like if he was actually dead, we would have gotten at least one scene of someone anyone could have been Betty could have been Archie could have been FP crying about the fact that he was dead and no one did that it was it was a lot of like nervous hyperventilating hope I don't get caught for this murder trying to figure out am I capable of this murder but none of it was like I am sad that he is dead so I feel like Archie had like 30 seconds of that not to the extent that you would expect from a bunch of high school students who've lost like their best friend right if we had one scene of Betty like breaking down crying about the loss of Jughead and having to like control herself I think that'd be one thing but she broke down a couple times because she was afraid she was the one who killed him but that's like not the same thing so and and and, and also just the fact that she kept saying to like Brett and Donna like the man I loved my one true love like kept saying that felt a lot more like someone writing a book about what their person would say well yeah and especially because I feel like that's not how Betty talks but it is like that super repetitive form that the like parts of Jughead's book that we heard those excerpts sounded very repetitive in that way the only thing we were missing was the Jughead voiceover being like but if only they knew what was happening next like that's well, the that only pretty obvious 
Like, that's the only thing that would definitively make it obvious. And so I think that's why we didn't see that specific phrasing. I can get behind this. It's all a book. I think the situation. one thing... I did have that fleeting thought in the episode, too. I was considering uh, why they would burn their clothes. And I think that it... I know that... We know that Charles is the person who helped them move the body. But there's potential that they also moved the body. And so then they would need to get rid of whatever remnants oh, would right, be from moving, moving the, body. the body. Yeah. Moving the body, yeah, right? And, and I, I don't think, think Charles that. actually did anything. I think he just told them what to oh, do. Because okay. he was yeah. still in his full suit. So <laughs> that makes sense why they all burn their clothes. Yeah. But what doesn't make sense is why they did not burn their underwear were too they should have just been fully new well, and there's a couple oh things gosh. especially since like, betty had blood like on betty her had bra. blood on her bra she should not have kept it i don't know all of them just going back into their parents and and the fact that all of the parents are still awake is probably like one of the most unbelievable things of this to me yeah i feel like you could sneak into your house without getting caught yeah yeah well and like i feel like it would have made sense for you know one of them to get caught they all got caught immediately when they opened the door like who Whose parents just sit yeah. around waiting for them to Well, the door. and it should have been as well. Like, there should have been immediate alarm of where is Jughead because Jughead no longer goes to Stonewall Prep. So yes. he should not be there anymore. Like, it should have immediately been, uh, Betty, why are you in your underwear? And also, where's Jughead? Uh, because he's currently homeless, I guess, if he's not here. That That's another one. Which I think also all of this lends to the fact that, yeah, it's definitely like a book because, well, while Riverdale is not always the most realistic, I think we can all agree, uh, I think that... Some of this just doesn't connect at all, which, I don't know, still could be truth. It's so hard to tell. (laughs) Yeah, it is. We also know that Jughead was writing a book that was based off of his time at Stonewall Prep. Yeah. So more evidence just to share with everyone. Okay, the other thing I do want to mention before I forget is since we were on the subject of Cole Sprouse not talking about staying or leaving for season five, uh, we do have two people that came out recently saying that they were not coming back for season five. And so can we just say a quick RIP? to number one river daddy Skeet Ulrich. What? Yes. Skeet Ulrich. Wait, you didn't know this? Yeah, I just, Well, I didn't clearly know. everyone was not tweeting at her about it. I guess uh, Hannah probably didn't get like four tweets the minute that the news broke. Skeet Ulrich and, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of her name. What's her name? The woman Ashley who Murray. plays Hermione. Oh. I don't know. No, I can't. Mary Soul yeah, Nichols. I don't know. Yes. Uh, Mary Soul Nichols. The two of them have said that they are moving on to other projects for season five. I don't think that necessarily means that that would be like the last, like we might see them pop back in if there's a really important moment. I don't think that means that they're killing off their characters. I think this is a very, very common thing that especially teen dramas, especially CW teen dramas does when they have a season after high school. Typically the first four seasons of a CW show involve the characters and their parents and then probably by the, you know, next several seasons or by the end, there's like maybe one parent who's still in in the show. This is a pretty common thing. Yeah, and I again, I really don't think that they're killing those characters. I think that we'll still see them in like brief little cameos but it it won't be as much as what we've seen to this point sure they'll be mentioned they'll be whatever it's it's um you know it's it's very common um look at one tree hill look at smallville these are very common things that happen anyway so while i am sad i'm not devastated i'm not sad i'm disappointed okay (laughs) 
Well, that's Riverdale for you. All right. So in the <laughs> aftermath of the moving Jughead's body situation, Veronica goes home. Like we said, Veronica, Archie, and Betty all go home in their underwear, immediately get caught by all their parents who are somehow still awake. Veronica comes up with, I think, the best excuse for where her clothes are. She says that she, they all say they were at the party. She says she played strip poker. She she does not say why she doesn't have her clothes, but I guess she implies part of the game was that they got to keep the clothes or something. So I felt like that one made the most sense. She was the most convincing liar. Archie says that they went skinny dipping and that the preppies stole his clothes. That also makes sense, but... No, I want to know where that where they were skinny dipping on the Ides of March. They're, like, well, it would be way yes. too cold at that time of year to be swimming outside. Could have been like a dare. Um, I, I also like that the second he says we were skinny dipping, uh, Molly Ringwald is like, oh yeah, yeah, chill, makes sense. No questions here. I feel like my parents would be like, whoa, skinny, skinny dipping. <laughs> well, the other thing is... Maybe, maybe double. If they're stealing your clothes, I feel like most people would would steal your underwear as well. They're not going to stop there. True. True. I also, like, I would never tell my parents that I went skinny dipping. Like, it's better than I, telling I your parents you my, committed a murder. <laughs> or like, a- like, I want my, as far as my parents are concerned, I'm a never nude, okay? And I, that's just the way it is. <laughs> yes. I'm a never nude and I'm also a virgin and that's all they ever need to know. It doesn't matter if I have children. Um, okay, well, that's, that's fair. Um, anyway, so... I don't think Mary listened to anything that you just said. I don't know. I heard the word Mary, never nude and I just sort Mary of blacked out. wasn't paying attention and I just made Hannah very uncomfortable and Mary just got to avoid the discomfort by ignoring me. I'll, uh, I'll, get, to, I'll get to figure out what you were talking about when I re-listen to this episode to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so then Betty's mom, you know, Alice comes down and is like, uh, she's the most, I'm not going to take this excuse, like, at face value. She's like, whoa, 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 hang on. Why are you naked? And why is there blood on your bra? And Betty's like, it's it's just wine. And she's like, oh my gosh, underage drinking. And she's like, no, of course not. It was a toga party and Brett spilled wine all over me. And then I had to take my clothes off because the smell was so terrible. First off, I feel like a wine stain, like, you should have been like, because I was all wet and gross. You don't need to be like... Like the smell, the smell, like wine's not She's that like, gross. She's like, mom, of course I wasn't drinking underage. I can't even handle the smell of wine. If it was like vodka, I could understand that. But well, the other thing is too, how would it have gotten all over her, but then only managed to seep into her bra strap? I don't know. I don't know how there was blood on her bra strap anyway. That made no sense to me. I don't know. She probably like hugged Jughead's body or something. <laughs> I, okay. Also, we didn't talk about this. Why did they burn the beanie? Uh, it was symbolic. Also, there's absolutely no way that Jughead isn't gonna has anyone paid attention this would be some good snooping I haven't noticed in the clips on Instagram where he's in still filming episodes is he wearing a beanie that would be a I good mean thing to I look feel at. like he could get a new beanie I don't know right I don't know about that it's iconic it's iconic and it's the only one I'm not remembering one from the stories but that could also just me be like the Mandela effect where I'm revisioning history revisioning history yep. yeah I meant revising hey, you know what you don't have oh to be my gosh. rude just be nice <laughs> Hannah's here like once every couple of weeks and then she comes on and you just attack her like we could just be nice once every 10 episodes i'm here for four i'm here for 14 there's 24 i'll be back (laughs) if there's 24 episodes of this season of riverdale you could just take over (laughs) wow 
Okay. There's 24. I quit. Well, do you quit on 24 or do you quit like after 24? Mm, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We're getting nowhere in this episode. So anyway. <laughs> we're, still in the, we're still in the voiceover and it's been 26 minutes. <laughs> so Betty, Betty goes upstairs. Nice to see that her mirror is still smashed. Like you could have fixed that. I thought, like, no, whatever. I thought it was good because then it, they're acknowledging the fact that like, hey, she actually did this and we're going to keep it. Like instead of just fixing everything, be like, oh, well. I forgot that she'd even smashed it. So I was like, oh yeah, she smashed her mirror. What a weirdo. You watched that episode like two days ago. How'd you forget? It was last week. <laughs> okay. So Jughead uh, does another voice over here where he says, that's the thing about murder. You've got to have the stomach for it, especially if all signs point to you having committed it. And yeah, then it's Betty a bug. Bombs. This is so, definitely a bug. All three chillins meet up in Pops the next day. All three, and all three they, what? Yeah, I don't children's. think you're supposed to say oh, it like that. I thought you said chillins. Like, I did. Like villains, did. though. Chillins. Well, they might have committed a murder. Anyway, they meet back up in Pops. And that this is when we find out that they've included Charles in on this situation. And he's sort of helping them. Convenient that we have a semi-adult to sort of ask no questions and be on their side. Wow, the FBI is corrupt. They are trying to figure out what the Stonewall kids' plan was and their motive. Betty says that she thinks maybe Jughead got too close to figuring out the chipping thing. She said it's just a game to them to commit the perfect murder. Which, if Jughead... It's it's kind of weird that... I guess we have to assume in this timeline, Donna really did somehow bash Jughead's head in. And we don't... We still have no knowledge of how Jughead went from being talking to Brett to somehow getting his head bashed in. Maybe Brett also had the white powder and like blew it at Jughead and knocked him out or something. Maybe. There's still some time holes here. We also still have the whole weird issue with why in the world was he wearing a bunny mask for like two seconds and then took it off and put it back on. Yeah, I have questions. Well, I think the bunny mask was because of the terrorization that Brett was doing, right? They were wearing bunny masks when they beat up um, Mad Dog. Also, I can assume that this whole episode based on Betty's one sweater took place over like one day, maybe two. So we have heard no mention that they're on spring break, which is the other thing I would like to say is another loophole here is just this is the reason Hannah you didn't listen to it but this is the reason why I was thinking that the scene with them standing around the fire was so out of place was because that was the flash forward we had gotten at the end of season three and it said spring break and now it's the Ides of March and we it was like they kind of changed what day it was going to be without mentioning anything Ides of March is a little bit early for high schools to be having spring break high school spring break is typically in April oh no way my spring break was always in march oh interesting my college spring break was in march but it was oh no our college spring break was always in february okay well that's canada doesn't understand what spring is (laughs) it's because there's snow all the time we also don't call it spring break we call it reading break um so yeah okay interesting so they are trying to figure out what the plan is and again everyone just seems a little bit too calm they're nervous about how they're going to cover up whatever involvement they had but they're not they're not shocked about the murder like I still feel like Betty or Veronica and Archie should have at the very least been like hey let's not hide this body let's figure out now what this situation is but I guess they kind of panicked well I think they panicked because they thought Betty did it like if they hadn't had the red herring of like oh did did Betty do this they would have immediately like just called FP I think but because there was the idea that oh is Betty possibly guilty of this murder I feel like that's why they hit it. 
Yeah, that's possible. And Betty tries to act normal, but then Kevin walks up for two seconds, and I don't really know why we needed Kevin to be in the scene, except for Archie to be like, go away, Kevin, and then Betty to be like, hey, never mind, Kevin, come back. Betty's like, Archie, that's the exact wrong thing to say. And I'm like, well, why are you guys having this conversation in a public place? Like, at least go to the speakeasy. We also got a tiny hint about the musical that's coming up, so that's gonna be real fun. Kirsten's super excited. I don't want to talk about it. Like, (laughs) Do we think think it's next episode? I think it's probably likely to be next episode. Mm, But, uh, Kate, here's the thing. Can they just not... Like, what if they just didn't? It's, t- it's more about know. the investigation is what the IMDb brief summary I, says. Yeah, I would have a, a hard time with them just, like, taking a pause on this plot line to do a musical. Well, I think they could easily be like, oh, we need something to distract us from what's happening. And then at the very ep- end of the episode, they would... Reveal Jughead's alive. No, reveal that that would be when they would walk in and be like, Betty and Veronica and the other one, Archie, you're under arrest. <laughs> yeah, other and one. the other one. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, because anyway. that's the only flash forward we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen that one and we haven't seen, we haven't seen the one where they, he comes in and says you're under arrest and we haven't seen the one where Brett and Donna say that they, uh, they're, they saw them doing murders. Well, that's, that's oh, yeah. the same thing. Is yeah, it? Those yeah, will be, it's those will be in scenes. the same episode for sure. Sure, I'm just saying it's two different scenes. There is, uh, an episode coming up called Wicked Little Town that could potentially be the Hedwig episode. Again, I don't know what Hedwig's really about so i'm not sure so what i've been told that hedwig is about is about someone who uh is getting a sex change and they don't do it right and then there's an angry inch left over yes i know and that. that's, that's exactly like, how much i know about it that's the whole thing what more do you need to know well um i could look back so the previous singing episode was directed by maggie kylie Uh, I'm just wondering if they're always directed by the same person. No, they're not. That's not going to help me figure out who's going to direct this one. All right, let's get back to the episode at hand. This is when Brooke Rivers from Sarah Florence and the Naval Academy comes back and Molly's like, hey, Archie, we're going to try to get you in the Naval Academy. And Archie's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Don't care. Sounds good. And uh, apparently Archie has gumption and fortitude. Yeah, because he uh, didn't give up for the boxing thing last year. Right. That was a pretty on-the-nose moment when uh, she said she was impressed with him and Archie's like, even though I passed out and fell flat on my face before the exhibition match, which is you know, being self-aware for once, Riverdale. Thank you. So, and then, and this is when we find out a little bit later in another scene that Brooke is actually uh, Mary Andrew's girlfriend, which is cool. Yeah, don't really have a whole lot to say here. I think uh, one thing that it does give is a little bit of clarification on why it seemed like after Mary Andrews and Fred Andrews broke up that they still appeared to have a pretty amicable relationship. So I think that's pretty pretty good there it also could explain like maybe that's why mary wasn't able to get legal work in riverdale because people are uh homophobic possibly although it didn't seem like anyone else knew about it i think a lot of honestly what it was about was molly needed a secret that she could tell aunt uh archie so that she could say hey like uh you know i don't want there to be any secrets between us which is a classic thing you say when there's secrets being withheld on one side so we'll see we had a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of the episode in regards to this so we'll see because i think having archie and his mom sort of open up to each other a little bit more or having her open up to him i think is is what's going to prompt him to want to open up to her in return 
So Veronica's fighting with Hermosa because they just, Hermosa's annoying, and uh, she's upset because the family is still trying to pretend like Hiram is not sick, and he's not admitting to her that he has this muscular disorder, and he wants to go over his will, but he's just trying to pretend like it's a sort of normal thing. She gets mad, runs away. Her and Archie drink at the speakeasy, and this is when she admits that she thinks Betty could have potentially been the one to kill Jughead, because she has done this sort of thing before back with Chuck Clayton in the hot tub. Yes. She's like, you didn't see her with Chuck and I thought she was really going to kill him and it was crazy and maybe it could be something like that. She's like, I I would follow Betty to the ends of the earth, but I need to know the truth. So I did some research because Veronica mentions that Betty went full Sybil. And so Sybil is a book that turned into a movie with Sally Fields as the star about a girl who blackouts and who has dissociative identity disorder. So makes sense with what she is laying down about Betty. There's been a lot of talk ever since that first episode with the sort of dark Betty side of things with the Chuck Clayton, which I think was what episode three or four of season one. There's been a lot of talk about like how the whole dark Betty thing sort of gets brought up randomly, either to be like an excuse for Betty to be angry at her mom, or it's sort of a sexual fantasy kind of related thing with the wig. Then it was kind of interesting how in this season, they sort of brought back the idea of dark Betty to be a reason why we could suspect her of killing Jughead and that she does really have this sort of other side to her that she can't control and that this feeds in with you know her dad being the Black Hood and all of that. I think it's it's at least a little bit more interesting than just oh sometimes she gets mad and you know blacks out like I I think that this is a, a cool way to go. However a lot of what we found out in this episode sort of resulted in us realizing she didn't actually appear to black out at all in this in this time. She finds out with Charles that really Donna just blew some sort of drug in her face basically and that she kind of had some short-term memory loss but it really wasn't related at all to any kind of hypnosis or dark side of her. We're getting a little a little ahead of ourselves with that yeah. but yeah they that they figure out that she definitely did not hurt Jughead in this episode. Yeah so I mean I but I do think that it's interesting that we did have this dark Betty thing come back just because it was something that was kind of it felt a little bit like uh oh Betty's not just your girl next door look she's dangerous <laughs> she's the nightmare next you know? door mm-hmm. yeah so they do go talk to betty and so betty has she's sort of been being coached by charles on certain things to do so first she calls fp and she has a script written out saying that she's worried about jughead hasn't talked to him since last night at the party and charles is like yes yes this is exactly what you would have done you know had jughead actually gone missing and and stuff so uh, i gotta say unfortunately another theory of mine from the last episode debunked here clearly Betty and FP are not in on some kind of wider plan to fake Jughead's death at least not to what we're being seen I could potentially see how you could throw in a couple things of saying like you know FP has also is also just trying to act like what he would do if they didn't know about Jughead's body but yeah it's very bizarre Charles just creepily being in the corner just I don't know he rubbed me the wrong way right and we haven't talked about it for a while about the fact that Charles way back at the beginning of this season was a very suspicious character 
with uh, we know that he's I don't know in love with Chick and is still talking to him we know that he has sort of broken up Polly's relationship with the family and was clearly doing some sort of something there to tap the wires there's a lot of stuff that we haven't explained that happened early on in the season and now he seems to be sort of a good guy all over again I don't know if we're coming back to that I don't know if they just threw that in and then decided to sort of pivot and change what they wanted Charles to be I I don't want Charles to be a bad guy but I'm not really sure how to justify it yet no I want him to be a bad guy well I think it's also interesting because it's one so a couple of the times you have the bad guy right but he's almost immediately known as the bad guy I guess the only other time where the bad guy wasn't quote-unquote known is when Betty's dad was the black hood but having the the idea of knowing already from this from the things we've seen with Charles in secret that he is at least has some ulterior motives and knowing that that he could be doing something bad but not exactly knowing what the result of that is I think uh, adds some air of mystery and, and makes it interesting but it is hard when we have episodes like this and they don't give anything as far as Charles still trying to do something with ulterior motives but again right. that could lend to the fact that it's a book that's being written and Jughead doesn't know about Charles's bad side sure so that's that's one idea um there's also a couple other things that they sort of dropped like the the, the VHS tapes of the front of the houses we haven't gotten any answer to about this so anyway um in general though I just really feel like and <laughs> Hannah mentioned it earlier FP should be more concerned about this whole situation and so should Betty if they were trying to act real because Jughead was expelled from school and so they should be trying to get him you know like if your kid has been excel- expelled from their boarding school you should expect them to either be home or you know with their girlfriend or whatever you would not expect him to still be there in this situation for the record (laughs) well that is true Also, I will say that is another point in favor of this being a book is the fact that if Jughead was writing a book but was not writing about how he had been expelled, like I don't think that it was mentioned in this episode by any of the characters. Like it, what, when Betty went back to Jughead's room, Brett and Donna weren't like, "Hey, what are you doing here? Jughead doesn't live here anymore." Yeah, they were like, "We haven't seen Jughead since the party." So, right. uh, I think I do think that this book theory makes the most sense. Yeah, which means it's probably not going to be true because since when has Riverdale done anything that made sense? Uh, actually, okay, I have to tell you this. So I met up with one of my friends last week and they watched the premiere of season three of Riverdale with their friends and they turned to their friends and said, Penelope's the Gargoyle King after watching the first episode. Then were so mad about how dumb it was, they didn't watch the rest of the season. And their friend said, you'll never guess who the Gargoyle King was at the end of the season. And she said, Penelope Blossom. And they were like, how did you know? So there was definitely evidence that we missed because my friend... Bethany knew immediately. Well, technically, Penelope was not the Gargoyle King, but I mean, like, technically, it was she Chick. was in charge of the but whole sure. thing. Like, she was controlling Chick. It's Chick Close did not enough. have any authority in this situation. Was Penelope even in the first episode? Maybe she was. I just don't. I don't. Have I any don't think she of it. was. I think that my friend Bethany just is smart at the least important thing. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Betty goes to Stonewall High and puts a bug in Brett and Donna's room. No. It's just Brett's Betty room. asks, right, but Donna's there. There is some interesting conversation here where Betty asks if they've seen Jughead. Donna basically just keeps saying over and over, oh, no, Betty, we I know that you went off together. You two went off. And Betty does a pretty good job being like, no, Donna, that didn't happen. I went off in the woods with you. But the whole time, Betty's acting a little bit too stone-faced. Like, if you're really trying to sell it, you would be like, what are you talking about? This, what? But she wasn't. She was just like, no, 
Donna. I went into the woods with you. Donna claims that Betty was drunk, which is not true. Donna says, you know, maybe Betty drank so much she blacked out. She says that Evelyn told her Betty has a history of blacking out and doing terrible things, etc., etc. Brett says Jughead had a bunny mask on and was acting weird. And that's when Betty says, oh, well, I do remember that Jughead went to go see you, which you can tell here that Brett sees, seems a little bit nervous because I think he's afraid. You know, Brett is very clearly, I think we've kind of realized he's the pawn in all this. Donna's really the mastermind. Brett's just sort of the pawn playing along. And Brett is worried about getting caught. And so when he realizes that Betty, no, you know, is sort of turning it around and saying, no, you know, I have information or evidence or whatever that you and Jughead met up, he knows, he realizes that he could potentially be, you know, thrown under the bus for this. And Donna's like, shut up, Brett, which all of what is said in this scene, I feel like seems suspicious. Like we've had lots of stuff, a lot of scenes, you know, back when Brett mentioned that he had the sex tape of them back when he sort of admitted to having found the answers to the, um, to the quiz show, like all of that sort of thing. He's, he's admitted or at least sort of said things like, well, if I did, I certainly wouldn't tell you, which are suspicious things. And I don't know if they would necessarily hold up in court, but it just seems like this is way too little too late to be bugging them now. Like you, I, if I was Betty, every time I would walk into a room with Brett or Donna, I would be recording the whole conversation on my phone the whole time. Yeah. And we've talked about this many times about how yeah. they should have been recording it. So yeah, it's definitely too little too late. And this bug is like giant. Like it's probably from like 1987. <laughs> like the technology is definitely it's huge. better than that. And it has a that. big old blinking red light on yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, like, hmm, let's put this giant contraption under a table that flash it. Like the minute Brett turned out the lights to go to bed, if they didn't already know that there was a bug, he would have seen the red light and been like, huh, what's this red light? It's not my camera because I'm not filming anyone have sex right now. <laughs> so what is going on here? He would look under the table, find the giant bug and be like, huh, now we know. What the hell? The second that Brett and Donna realize that they have the bug in the room, why don't they just get rid of it? Because it's better to play with people's emotions. When you know, but they don't know you know, then you have the opportunity to have the biggest impact on them because they think that, you know, they have you right where they want you, but really you have them where you want them. Yeah. So Joan bumps into Betty when she's leaving, which is extremely suspicious. And we all know that she either took something or put something yeah, on Betty. It's I was like, obvious. hmm, what's this about? And then promptly forgot about it. Yeah. yeah. So Betty Betty talks to Evelyn and Evelyn is just sort of like playing along with Donna's whole thing, being like, oh, yeah, I definitely told her a word that makes you hurt people. And, and she's like, so how's Jughead? And then Betty leaves. So she's just sort of being her typical annoying self. Which makes sense because she said that she's in hell. So she wants to make everyone everyone else feel like they're in hell too. Exactly. So Betty then goes to see Charles. Charles listens to the tape and that's when we find out, or no, they're listening to the tape and Betty's like, ah, you know, they're not, they're not giving us any information. We need to spur them to give us some information. So let's send, let's send good old Archie in there to go fight with Brett. That'll, that'll get something riled up. And so I didn't quite understand this plan at first, but then it made sense. Archie's gonna like run in and like beat Brett up and then he's gonna leave hoping that then, you know, Brett and Donna be like, woo, that's close. He almost found out we killed Jughead. But instead they're like, woo, that was, that was weird. He beat us up. Too bad. We totally know there's a bug under the table, Betty. Haha, <laughs> gotcha. And then they smash it, which I, again, they said, Betty, you need to up your game if this will be any fun. That's 
that's admitting to doing something, I feel like. If they're record, I assume they're recording what this bug is picking up, and I feel like them saying, oh, Betty, we're playing along, you need to try better than that, is extremely suspicious. They don't incriminate themselves or say that they c- committed anything. It's also right. like bugging the room is definitely illegal, and so any evidence found from that illegal action, there's a good chance that it would not be admissible in court anyway. Yeah, because when you, when you wear a wire, at least one of the parties has to know that they're being recorded. Right? Yeah, like, like you- it's because it like if someone's wearing a wire to go talk to someone as like a specific, you know, part of a police investigation, there's like a warrant for that. Like there's documentation backing up that this is a decision that needs to be made and there's evidence behind needing to record the conversation with that person. Whereas in this case, Betty is just outside of the law putting a bug into the suite and like the FBI is not actually investigating the case. There's no legal recourse that's been taken in order to get the bug in there so i'm pretty sure anything they find would have been inadmissible anyways sure except this is riverdale so i don't think that would have really mattered there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening then archie is kind of sitting in his room upset about this whole situation that's when molly ringwald comes back in and says hey i got a call from stonewall high saying you went in and beat up someone and archie is like pretty close to spilling something to molly when he gets a call from betty who's watching him from her window and tells him to make up a story and stop talking to his mom basically and he he does admit some truth here, which is that Veronica's dad's sick and stuff. I just want to know how Betty has enough time to like conveniently be there watching Archie's window. Well, I think that she also has a bug in Archie's room. That's also possible. That uh, that could could easily have happened. Well, yeah, that's. Ugh, I I just she, she did. Go she's up so there creepy in that moment. Like she's like Archie, hang up. Like stop the conversation. Yeah, she she is creepy, which is another reason why Archie and Veronica are sort of feeling like Betty might be hiding something from them. This whole episode. So then Betty talks with FP and Alice and FP says that they tracked Jughead's phone and that it's on her. She does a pretty good quick jog being like, I don't know. I don't know how I have the phone. Guys, I'm freaking out about Jughead. Ah, I'm just, uh, I'm going crazy because I'm his girlfriend and I love him. And she pretty much immediately realizes, oh, Joan must have planted that on me. So that's good on her. I, I think she quote unquote does a good job, but also again, she's a terrible liar at coming up with stories. <laughs> yeah, her stories are kind of crap, but also I feel like that's kind of good. I feel like if you have a really quick story that seems more suspicious, I don't know. Like she, she I feel like if you have like a quick story, but it makes sense, that's the least suspicious. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. I feel like she's saying, I'm going crazy. I'm so nervous. I'm so worried. But she's not acting worried. She's just acting like crazy. She's crazy this episode. Well, she is Dark Betty. Without even the wig. She doesn't even need the wig to be Dark Betty now. Yeah, Yeah. she's evolved and it's so exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So we go back to the Veronica subplot for a second. Veronica and Hiram are talking. Hiram says, you know, he didn't tell Veronica because he didn't want her to pity him or to see him as weak. She's like, no, daddy, I love you and I want to be a source of strength for you. And he's like, okay, Miha, then please get along with Hermosa. And Veronica's like, yeah, sure, I guess. I, I don't know. I, like, I, this whole subplot, like, do we care that Hiram's sick? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, but I'm a bad person. I also just found it so weird how he's like, can you please get along with Hermosa? And Veronica's like, okay. So then they go to him and they're like, we want to be co-executors of your will. Which, why isn't Hermione the executor of Hiram's will? It's so weird that the two daughters would be co-executors and Hermione just is not involved. Like, what? Well, once again, she well, did try to kill him a couple of times. He needs to, like, pass 
it on a couple months ago. But the other thing that That's was interesting true. to me is that Hiram says, I'm going to tell you the truth and then still doesn't tell Veronica that he's sick. Like he doesn't say anything about the sickness to her at all. No, he says, I'm going to tell you the truth. And Veronica's like, but daddy, I know you're sick. Like they, they he doesn't actually ever admit to anything. Right. Why do you say daddy like that? <laughs> it's Because it's so uncomfortable with the word. I'm, I've started playing dream daddy and now I'm much more comfortable with the word daddy in everyday use. I'm not. I don't think I ever will be. I, I now endorse the word daddy. Yikes. What a world we are living in. <laughs> this is a problem. What about Bughead? Yeah. No. Ship names should die, but daddy's okay. But not for your actual father. Only for romantic <laughs> partners. Okay, great. So FP calls Betty and says that a hiker found a rock in the wood with blood on it. And Betty's like, oh, is it Jughead's blood? And he's like, I got to get it tested. And she's like, quick, need to do some intercepting of the blood rock. So she really suspiciously asks Jellybean for some fake blood. Again, Jellybean being way too calm about the fact that her brother is missing. Like, why is everyone not running around? Like, she's just been missing for six months. And I I thought she was, yeah, I have no idea. She's been gone since Halloween. Yeah, it's like, I guess nobody cares about missing children at Riverdale because she's been missing. So she comes back, back into our lives. So Betty gets this fake blood from her. And I just feel like the the second that they find out that this rock is tested and has fake blood on it, then Jellybean's gonna be like, huh, that's weird. I saw Betty ask me for some fake blood. Well, and the other thing too, is that she takes a rock from her house. This is a rock that can be traced back. She grabs it with her bare hand when she grabs it from the lawn. So like, what? What's even the point of using a glove later on? It's so suspicious. And when she is on the phone with Charles, it's so funny when he's like, well, we can't really do anything about this. And she's like, on the contrary, which is not a sentence people say anymore. I mean, I feel like I say it, but okay. Well, that's because you're from another time. <laughs> and there's blood spatter analysts who would be able to, to tell that this was painted and not actually used as a as a weapon. Well, blood spatter's been found as not reliable science also. But that's this is a plan. The plan is that Betty wants the this analyst to realize that this was a painted rock. She wants them to realize that and realize that the Stonewall kids must have planted it, planted a fake one. That that part makes sense. Yeah. I think she wants it to be fake. Yeah. So Betty manages to get the real rock from Charles, who got it from FP, and they do a little switcheroo. At Pops. And, but then Betty's yeah. like, oh, we gotta be real discreet about it in the middle of this well, public. Restaurant. Because, like, he handed her the real rock on top of the table in the clear evidence bag. And then she hands the fake one in a Ziploc under the table. And then when Charles puts the fake rock on top of the table, she's like, whoa, 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 put that away. And it's like, we've already, like, why are we doing this at Pops? Why did the one that is in an evidence bag get put on top of the table? Why is this happening? It's- this is also a minor thing, but like, a rock that has been found more than 24 hours after Jughead died would not still be wet and so when it was placed in that bag it wouldn't have like blood all in the inside of the bag like it looked like like it would be dried blood okay anyway yeah it would be brown and like yeah yeah the other thing I want to mention is when they were in the sheriff's office we see Charles looking at the pictures of the Cooper Jones family that FP has and I just want to point out that the picture of Betty and Alice is literally the same picture that used to be Betty Alice Hal and Polly (laughs) that at one point Chick like cut Polly and Hal out of and I just wanted to mention that because it's pretty funny that fp like they 
that they only have that one picture and that FP is like, mm, you know, technically Polly's part of this family, but I don't need a picture of her. Yeah, I've never like, met yeah, her. I don't know her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I gave her, you know, ex-fiance some drugs in a car, but um, I, I don't need to, I don't need to be friends with her. And helped clean up his body once he was dead. <laughs> Veronica says that she is getting reconsidered for Bern- Barnard College because they received an anonymous tip about her illegal liquor club. Well, maybe you shouldn't have an illegal liquor club. Apparently, the, she thinks that the Stonies are the ones who gave this tip. I, I I feel like it's clearly Hermosa would have done that. That's that's what I was thinking, too. I think Hermosa is going to find out that the reason that Veronica says that she might defer college for a year is because of this. Like, I think she's going to catch Veronica. I don't know. It could be Hermosa. I, either way, I don't know how the Stonies would have known about the Maple Club, but whatever. Why would they have known about the Maple Club? And why would they have known that Veronica wants to go to Barnard? Like, it's not like she was yeah. sharing that information with them. So all of it's kind of suspicious. Well, Donna is like a pretty good private investigator, so. Armosa is also a pretty good private investigator. It's literally her job. Oh my God. One of her jobs. How is she supposed to put all her focus into it when she's also running a rum empire? Because she's a lodge. They always have more than two jobs. Except for Hermione. Does she have any jobs at this point? Yeah, Hermione does no job. But you know what? She's not really. She married into the lodge family. She wasn't born into it. So. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm just trying to go through some of this. We've been talking for an hour and nothing has happened. So. Whatever. The three kids meet again. And I don't know how they keep meeting in the blue and gold office because they Betty was kicked off the blue and gold whatever Veronica's like Betty you gotta tell me what happened because you were holding the rock and Betty's like I know I should have been trying to keep Jughead's brains from falling out of his head yikes that is not good evidence in the uh Jughead's not dead (laughs) plotline if that was the case it also did not look like at all that his brains were falling out in either the stuff we saw of his dead body or in the morgue his his head looked intact but had a gash I don't think we saw the part of his head that the brains are coming out of okay yeah that it's not a great look i feel like everyone already was suspecting that like this is what was happening with betty so this scene felt very weird and then they decide like hey well if you really did have some sort of like secret word that made you fugue didn't charles help you with that before can't he do it again so then they're like yeah let's do some hypnotism some brain transformation specialization for you big brother canada fan and so he starts a metronome and like it's like we're looking for lost time and betty remembers being with donna in the woods hearing that there might be another secret word that makes her fugue and kill the people she loves and then donna blowing the dust into her face and it's apparently a powder called devil's breath it would it would be called devil's breath is that is that a real thing i don't know i'm googling it it's scopolamine or something devil's breath urban legend or the world's most scary drug wow well, it's definitely a real thing in the context of Riverdale. So Betty meets up with Donna in the woods and, um, oh, wait. Oh my gosh, guys, this is crazy. This never happens on Riverdale. Someone meets up with someone and then immediately tells the entire plan and is like, I'm on to you. You sprayed some devil's breath in my face. Ah. And Donna's like, yeah, but I bet you touched the body and hid the evidence. So it's going to point back to you, which is interesting because like when the three meet back up at Pops and Betty's like, ah, that's true. Like we've been playing so defensively. We need to start playing offensively. I do think like this is gonna scare the Stonewall kids because they 
they were fully expecting Betty to think that she had killed Jughead and then hide the body, meaning that she was going to get, you know, all the evidence on her. And I think that there probably is some evidence on Jughead's body that the Stonewall kids also were involved in some way. I mean, clearly they had to attack Jughead as well. A hundred percent. Also, so in my research on scopolamine, it's the active ingredient in those ce- those motion sickness patches that you put behind your ear, just so, so people know. So don't use those anymore, guys. So no, you can use that in small doses. It's fine. It looks like the idea well, of the it thing being is, blown. So you're it- not motion sick because you've forgotten <laughs> that you were going oh under it. So anyways, what it was saying is that like, it's the idea that someone can blow it into your face is an urban legend. But like, if you actually were given high concentration of the drug, like in food or drink, it could make you unconscious for like 24 hours. So well, and that's the other thing is that it wasn't 24 hours. It was like maybe an hour or two. If that. Yeah, much. It, yeah. it was like weird. But anyways, I just love basically it's however long it took uh, Veronica and Archie to make it in the woods. I'm really upset that you brought that back up again. Um. Okay. Anyway, so um, <laughs> so they didn't say that what they need to do is have a search party and have Sheriff Jones find Jughead's body because the people would never expect this to happen. So Archie goes to where the body is and he's like, help, he's over here. And then they find him and it's like, ah. Which is another thing that lends to my Stranger Things idea. You know who also has a, has a search party? Stranger Things. Well, so does Riverdale. We've searched for Polly before as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely aliens. Yep, right. thank you. So Betty and FP go to the corner and they identify the body, which is another scene we already saw. Brett and Donna, like, burst into the door. Which, yeah, again, guys, so this weird. looks suspicious. Like, you who are not friends with Jughead, and, like, I know that you could tell a court, like, we're his roommates, we're his classmates, and everyone would be like, yeah, but you hated him and he hated you. But the other thing is- literally just got him kicked out of school. FP literally found the body, right? So he, like, did, were they not able to identify it as they were getting him out from that brush or whatever he was in? Like, does that not count? Yeah, I I think you need to do, like, an official, in a coroner's office, in bright lighting, not, like, in the middle of the night in the woods. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Molly comforts Archie, and this is the cliffhanger I was talking about earlier. Archie closes his curtains so Betty can't see, and then looks like he's about to confess something, and we don't get that yet. Yeah, and there was also like a creepy moment because Mary's like, this is supposed to be the best year of your life. And I just hate whenever anybody says that about like high school. It's just so awkward and weird. So then after they have this discussion, we get again where Donna and Betty meet up in the woods. And this is where we have the whole villain speech that Betty gives that she's the ultimate wild card, the daughter of the Black Hood, the nightmare next door. And she's training with the FBI and coming for you, you psycho bitch Donna. And so yeah, again, just revealing and the plan. definitely scares Donna a little bit. Well, yeah, Donna should be scared because Betty's acting crazy. <laughs> but I also love, like, how does Donna know to go to this field every time Betty's there? Like, has Donna just been returning to the scene of the crime? Like, wait, well, that for is this? like she mentioned earlier. That's a thing like murderers do. They tend to return to the scene of the crime. And so I could totally believe that maybe there's some evidence. And so Donna's like going back and trying to make sure there's no evidence that she was there or something. Do you know what else murderers tend to do? Insert themselves into the investigation, which is what Betty's been doing. Well, but it's also a Donna's been doing she showed up at the coroner's office yeah, as well it's definitely so. it's so spooky and weird I don't know yeah they basically at the end of the episode it's Betty Veronica and Archie again and they're like yep Donna showed up just like I said she would she is scared well what do we do next Betty and she's like we wait for them to make the next move and then that's it that's Riverdale season four episode 14 it is how to get away with murder also a tv show that's been around since 2014 so I've 
I think I'm the only one here who's watched the show. And so what basically happens is the beginning of the season, you start off with a murder and then you jump forward. It's going forward and backwards. So you know that the murders happened and then we see what's happening after the fallout of the murder. And then each episode, we get more about the night around the murder um, and like the lead up of that. So you kind of like the timelines come together at the end and you actually figure out how it happened. But the idea is that Annalise Keating is a lawyer professor and she teaches is a class that she renames how to get away with murder and is like a really famous lawyer and helps people uh, do what the title says. Yeah, and I always knew that I would get way too addicted to that show. We did get a message from Noah Salmon on Twitter, so I will read that out now. They said, I'm starting to think it's possible that Jughead actually died. Way too many conversations happened between the core three that wouldn't have happened the way they did if this was all a ruse. The only way ways out of this are if Betty slash FP are the only ones in on it, which I personally believe, or if this is all just a reenactment of Jughead's novel, which would be really stupid. Also, <laughs> I'm curious how they'll resolve the Charles Chick scene from earlier this season. What do you guys think? Definitely my favorite episode of the season, and I really hope that the rest of the season focuses mainly on one storyline as this episode did. Hashtag Mary Andrews for most normal. Oh, that was my vote too. See, okay, here's the thing. I feel like Mary wasn't that normal because like, just like trying to ship your kid off to the Navy and then like springing your secret lesbian lover is a little weird. But she just wants to talk to her son and she's annoyed that he keeps blowing her off, which is a very normal thing for a parent. I guess. One, I mean, I don't really know who else would have like been, I don't know, like who else is normal? Like I feel like yeah, it's probably Mary Andrews. But this is an opportunity. Since Mary has stepped away, we can make a decision here and commit to it to something that she maybe wouldn't want. Mm. So I feel like this is something we should definitely be considering. Has Mary ever won it before? Um, I don't know. Mary's the one with all the lists. I'm gonna go bring it. I'm gonna go to kaskicast.com slash Riverdale recap and look at the <laughs> list. Perfect. For most yeah, person. it's so convenient how you can look at the list of the most normal people. Yeah. Cringiest moments for the older ones, the close but no cigars. We really have it all over on kowskicast.com. Um, that's cow with a K. <laughs> Use that code at dominoes.com. <laughs> And so actually, Mary did win it for season four, episode 10, with the honorable mention of Principal Honey. So it's kind of close for her to win it again. But I, I guess the only other person would maybe be Hermosa for still. No, wait. No, wait. No, what? it's Mary. We've decided. <laughs> so when Mary comes back, Mary's the most normal because Hermosa did not act normal at all. She was in it for like no. two seconds, though. Yeah, but she was a ghoul the entire time she was on screen. And I refuse to reward that weird behavior <laughs> with the most normal person. We got a five-star review from Svetlana Stan, and it reads, After seeing a clip on YouTube of the ridiculous rocket subplot, I decided to binge this podcast to hear their outrage, and it did not disappoint. Along the way, however, I found myself sucked into the show, and it's ludicrousy. Lud- ludicrousity? Kirsten is tied. Ludicrousity? Ludicrousity? We're reading know. a review. Shut up, Mary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Kirsten is tied with Allie Lash for my second favorite podcaster in general and is a real treat. She can be perfectly encapsulated by the iconic Kelly Kapoor number one, how dare you clip. If she were a Harry Potter teacher, her catchphrase would be constant indignance and is a mood and I curse Stan. (laughs) I'm I'm still a bit new to Mary. (laughs) 
But she's she's climbing my charts of favorite podcast personalities. She provides a nice contrast to Kirsten, and any time she talks about the ridiculous ship names, specifically FP X Alice, <laughs> my appreciation for her deepens. Truly a great podcast, and I appreciate that they both watch this dumpster fire of a show so I can get my fix. Side note, if anyone ever has a Ranap Riverdale follow-up episode, the Rocket episode would be a perfect episode to cover. Oh, that's a good point. It would be a good oh, one. That's so... Okay, first of all, that was so sweet, and I'm now going to start going, constant indignance! <laughs> Just to, like, scare Mary when we're podcasting. Um, so I love that, and I appreciate everyone who leaves us a five-star rating and review, and they should continue to do so, especially on our new, you know, Riverdale feed, because we're trying to, to bump bump that up. I don't think Akiva or Rob will ever let us talk Riverdale again uh, on Renap because um, they hate us. Well, not Mary, but they definitely... Akiva, I thought, said I she, that he hates me, like, on last week's episode, but really he was just calling me a hater, which is accurate, and I wear that proudly. But I think I scared him, because I was like, did I just hear Akiva say I he hates me? And he was like, no, whoa, 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 no, 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 I don't hate you. I am afraid of you. So, I don't know. Maybe I could intimidate them into letting us back on Renap. That, you probably could. Probably could. I think we could do it. We're working on it. Yeah, so overall, I think it was a fun episode. I think we got a lot to yeah. see what's coming up in the future. We already declared Mary are the normal person of the episode, just so you're aware. Oh, good. I think Noah will be happy about that. But anyway, well, thank you everyone for joining us this week for a little bit of a crazy episode since we just kind of talked about a lot of theories and didn't necessarily go in order. But, you know, sometimes it'd be like that. And and this time it was like that. <laughs> it really do be like that. What's an, I don't remember where are we at. I don't know. I don't know what you guys have already said. Oh, so. <laughs> also, um, as always, please follow us on Twitter at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K. You can also follow Mary at Frail Mary on every platform. You can follow Hannah at uh, HannahV.exe on Instagram, and you can follow myself at Kirsten said what on every platform. Great. This is showing me that I could potentially leave the podcast, and you guys could still. Do do the whole spiel this is great well i mean what do you think we're just stupid <laughs> i think kirsten deserves a round of applause for that uh you know spiel without a script i don't even need a script i just remember it which is why i watch <laughs> riverdale twice <laughs> anyways right. good job uh, i think that we should uh probably get out of here so uh yes. yeah we'll we'll see you next time bye hashtag bughead No, she's she's good for more than just the navy.